0: Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Today, a playoff-clinching podcast. How about that? I'm joined by the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein, as we discuss not just the win over Philly, really only a little bit about that, but rather about the season and the journey this team has traveled. Why so much excitement for a 7-9 team that won a bad division? Well, Bram will explain, though I think you already know. You can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW and listen to him on ESPN630Radio. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have coverage throughout the week. We'll also have two more podcasts this week as there will be a lot to discuss before Washington takes on Tampa Bay on Saturday. I don't have any observations to add here because Bram and I, I think, kind of covered a lot of the bases. But I will say, enjoy this one because it was a grueling year for you and the organization on and off the field. Fans had to take the brunt of it, and you guys had to rise from the tatters. It didn't need to be pretty, it just needed to be. And now, here's my conversation with the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein. Bram, how do you sum up what we saw Sunday night? Uh, Well, I think it starts with you.
1: I'd like to send a bouquet to Doug Peterson for what was a very unusual decision that was made. And I was not aware before the game. I guess he had said he was going to do this at some point. So it feels a little different than it did last night where I'm sure I didn't really check Twitter, but I'm sure tanking and all that type of stuff was probably coming up because it really felt bizarre um what he did but i guess knowing going in that he was going to do this and didn't allow the circumstances to change that makes me feel a little differently about it but outside of that they landed about right where i thought they would like the six and ten to eight and eight you know right right around there and it just happened to be good enough but i think we both know that doesn't really tell the story i mean I was just on with Julie Donaldson for one of the Washington shows that's going to air later today. And I said, like, in in years, in most years, when you look back, you'll you'll look at a record like that. You won't think much of it. This was a really special season. I mean, uh, considering all the things they went through and the fact that they won their division. And I know some of that's by default because the other teams did not play well this year. But the fact that they won the division, considering what happened this year, and forget during the season, in the off season, right. Um, this is a pretty amazing, amazing accomplishment, really.
0: And, and that's what I was going to get to, too, because um, there's a there's a higher level of excitement around this team than you would think, given the circumstances of or the record, I should say. And I do. I agree with everything you say. And that was my story after the game was about all they had been through, because that adds to the excitement level. But it does seem like there's different level of excitement. Why do you think that is, though? Is it just because of the journey, or is it because there's something that fans maybe see something different in this team going forward? You know, I
1: think everybody wanted something new. It was so overdue to do new. Um, and everything about this is new. The helmets are new. The name's going to be new. There may not be a new name. There's a new coach. We were hoping for standards and practices that obviously didn't exist here for a while. I think we wanted to see some transparency in the organization. That started happening. There's like a trajectory going up. And then when you make a high draft pick and he turns out to be a hit, like the way this particular player has for them. Um, and I, I I don't, I mean, I don't even think I need to stump for him. I mean, I don't know how he can't be defensive rookie of the year at this point. Um, this has been everything you could have asked for. And then along the way, like any season, but in this particular one, they had some major, major, major bumps and they got through it. And here they are, you know, and I and I know last night there's a lot of people, especially up in New York or other places are going to look at this and go Philadelphia laid down for them. And there's merit in in saying that just all the people who are on their inactive list, the bizarre change to Sudfeld in the, you know, in the ladder stretches of a three point game. It's an odd time to do something like that. And so I, I get that argument, but I don't think this is about one moment or a Doug Peterson decision. This is about a lot of things coming together. This was a 2-7 and seven team, right? Never in the history of the NFL, at least in the Super Bowl era, had a 2-7 team made the playoffs. So they have survived a lot. And their quarterback epitomizes resiliency. And Chase Young epitomizes hope and direction and buy-in. And I just think there's so much to like about what we see. And there's a lot of questions in the offseason. And I'm glad that, like, all of the hard work got validated here. I mean, they could have hung it up. I mean, years past, they would not – have won in Pittsburgh, beat San Francisco, won in Dallas. I don't care what kind of seasons those teams were having. With a 2-17 team in the past, they would not have won those games. And I could say that with a lot of confidence. Um, Now, this is a very different team, very different group, and I think their hard work um, paid off. And even if it doesn't get past Saturday, which it looks like it's going to take a huge effort to try to pull that off, you know, like just considering how hot Tampa Bay has suddenly gotten and kind of living up to their potential, I still think this is a massive accomplishment and feels a little bit ahead of schedule of where I think we hoped they would
0: be. And you know it's funny because I had them at six and ten this year for a record. So going seven and nine is not out of the realm of where I thought they could be. So it's not surprising. And I think the surprising part is the fact that the division was so bad. But having said that, they said six and ten. If you had laid out the scenario that Dwayne Haskins is benched after four games, Kyle Allen gets hurt. Alex Smith has to start six games coming off of what he did. And then, you know, you have Gibson, you know, gets hurt down the stretch and um, it, and the coach has cancer. I think if you laid out that scenario for me before the season, I'm not going even to six and 10, seven and nine, it's going to be a lot lower. Why do you think that they were able to overcome and, and push forward and be, and, and win even again, forget the division winning seven games this year was quite an accomplishment.
1: Yeah. I, I point to, and I mean, only they can answer those questions, but I really do point to Rivera and Alex Smith as the people that I I think that you have to center this around and go, well, if they're doing it considering their circumstances, what excuse do we have, you know, and Alex Smith played uh, off of an injury that should have ended his life as he knew it let alone play football again like he may never have walked normally again off of what happened to him and he played football and played in 2021 and was part of a division winning championship team and Ron Rivera coached through cancer and as you documented when you got to talk to him and write about it Even the doctors told him that we thought you'd at least take a week or two off, and he never did. And so, and and I wouldn't have blamed him if he did, because it wasn't even just the football. It was everything that that guy had to shoulder this year. Like, he became the public face of organizational strife, even though he wasn't here. He became the public face of a name change and a brand change. He became the public face of, how's this team going to deal with social injustice? And then, oh, by the way, you got cancer. And oh, by the way, there's a football season to play. And, you know, the fact that I think those two people did what they did by example and didn't want to talk about it and didn't want to make a, you know, a bigger deal than it was about it. And maybe Alex is, you know, using the platform as he should, you know, to be inspirational at some level, it didn't feel inorganic or manufactured. He didn't go out of his way to talk about, What an inspirational figure he is. Follow me. You're going to, you know, this is, I'm your new life coach. Like he didn't go in that direction. It was all really by example, quiet example of what hard work can do. And if you want to be there and it matters to you to put on the jersey and it matters to you to do it for one another, it became infectious. I mean, Morgan Moses had his best season in a very long time. He totally bought in this year. Terry McLaurin and Chase Young earned captaincies at the early stages of their career. That wasn't just handed to them because they were high draft picks. No, they were that was earned in the middle of the season. And I really thought this week was the total epitome of it. And you all know, it's funny. We've been talking about Dwayne Haskins over the last couple of years. Finally gets released, and it's like as if it just disappeared. Like right. This was not the drama that I think all of us assumed the breakup would be. And it happened in week 17, and by Wednesday, the conversation had shifted to the more important things. Are they going to win? What's the future look like? You know, what, what chances do they have against Philadelphia? And Haskins became a thing of the past very quickly. When do you remember drama leaving the organization as quickly and easily as it did? And maybe it's a weird news cycle time, and maybe it's COVID time. But That was the epitome of everything has changed here that there's no one guy that is going to like, whether his fault or not, you know, hold the team hostage with the narrative. And if there was ever a test of that, it's Dwayne Haskins gets cut in week 17 and by Wednesday, we've all moved on, you know, we've all completely moved on.
0: It it is amazing. And it's funny because it does, it feels like it's been a few months since he was cut. And I think a lot of it too, what helped for that is that he wasn't playing well. And people saw that he wasn't really getting any better, and so I think you know you. But and the players knew that, and so for them it was pretty easy to move on because they saw what was ahead of them. Um, but it is it is a sign of a different time, and I think going back to the leadership part of it too is all those guys you mentioned. It's all organic leadership, guys ascending to those roles organically, versus in the past you'd have some guys who would be captains who you felt as it was more about being, you know, maybe it was popularity or whatever, or they weren't as strong leaders as you need, this team seems to have found those organically. And I think that has helped throughout this period.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about what the future looks like, including Saturday. You know, I I do want to see what they're capable of. I don't want to put anything past them anymore. I mean, I know again, the record like nationally, people are going to look at it and think it's like a joke because they're going to look at seven and nine and they're going to be like that. You know, that team should be in the playoffs They'll say whatever they want to say about it. I think you and I know the truth of it. Like this team fought hard to get where they got to, like where they got to, they earned. Right. Like that is this has been as roller coastery a year as you are going to get. They earned their way to this. I think they played to their potential. Their record reflects the holes that they still have on their roster. It also reflects no off-season. We consider that for a moment, no off-season, and they got to where they got to. Um, I, I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I hate to use the word proud because it sounds very self-serving and it sounds very, you know, team wants me to say that. But I am. I'm really, I'm like, for the first time in a while, and I think a lot of the fans probably feel this way, there's kind of a reason to get behind them on the field. Off-the-field stuff has not been taken care of yet. Like, that is still lingering. And I think a lot of the fan base really, wants a lot of that rectified so we can kind of move on and really forge into the future, but it did not affect what they did on the field. And what's happened on the field over the last, I don't know how many years is something that was not reliable, was never to be trusted, was fleeting when it was good. And for the first time, I think for a while, this does feel like that they're building something that has become trustworthy, reliable and worth getting around. I mean. If you can't rally around Chase Young and the way that he acts on the field and the leadership that he brings and the talent that he has, then you don't like football. You know, like you don't like the sport. You know, like like you might as well quit the sport if you can't get behind what that guy's doing and how infectious he is, or what McLaurin is doing. Who I think it is very clear last night probably would have been better served to not play, right. or Alex Smith last night who probably would have been better served to not play. What does he have to prove at this point? And he still. Went out there, put his leg on the line again to try to win a division championship in a year where no one's going to pick them to get to the Super Bowl. There's a lot to really like here about what's being built.
0: Well, you know, it's funny you say that, too, because this is a franchise that a lot of fans, people nationally have disliked because the owner and things happen in the name or whatever. This is the first time I think that they're a team that a lot of people root for. Because of the coach, because of Alex Smith, and then like you said, a guy like Chase Young. But yeah, I don't remember the last probably 2012 with Robert when when was we the last time that people probably looked at this team is like, oh yeah, I hope that that team wins because I like watching this guy. But I I think the the Alex Smith story, the Ron Rivera story, in addition to watching a, a, a budding star like Chase Young, makes them an easy. It's an they're an easier team to root for. I think for fans probably. For, for the first time in a in a while.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, you know, the defensive line, they, they spent all these first round picks on these guys. Which one of them would you trade in at this point? I'd say none. You know, collectively, they've just been outstanding. Um i I've, I've mentioned Morgan Moses before I'll mention him again. Like he has really turned his career around. You know, like there are a lot of questions about how much money was paid to him. And it wasn't like he was always available to them no matter what the injuries But there are just so many mistakes on the field, and it is clear that he has been, his joy for the game has been rekindled. He likes being part of this team. You know, like, they went and, you know, preemptively signed a center, which most of the time would not be that big of a deal. But I think in this case, it's like, yep, he's one of our guys. You're starting to feel that, you know, about them. And I haven't felt that about this team in a long time. We've been waiting for this to come around. And, um, you know, it's a testament to Rivera and his staff of figuring out a way to get them to buy in. And that must have been hard to do, considering they had no contact with anybody for so long, you know, and practiced very little. And you can sit there and talk about reputations all you want until you're in the room with the guys. You don't know if it's going to work or not. It's really working here. Um, They bought in this fun team to watch play. They have limitations. Like it is obvious they have limitations. I think that's fun, too, because. They're an underdog for good reason. Like, I think you and I both know that. Like, they don't have Tampa Bay's roster. They are not the Saints. They're not Seattle. You know, they're not Green Bay. They are missing a lot of things. But, man, do they fight. And they don't give up. And they come back in games. In the case of last night, they came back again even after blowing a double-digit lead. You know, like, this extremely resilient team. And there's a lot to like here on the field. There really is. There's a lot to like here. And I'm excited to see what they do against Tom Brady. It'll be fun this
0: week. It's almost that time when you put your name in a grid and hope that your box hits the final score. But you don't have to wait until February to start winning. With Boxes, you can play box pulls every day for every game. Boxes is completely free to play and you can win big. Washington football fans who download the app from the App Store or go to Boxes.com, that's B-O-X-I-Z.com, and use our code KIME20 can enter our contest. We'll have new games every week and incredible prizes in the playoffs and for the big game that will include tickets to games next year when fans can finally return in 2021. So go to Boxes.com for more information or download the app now. B-O-X-I-Z, use the code KIME20. It's free for you and your friends to get in and win. Boxes, it's anyone's game. For people listening that I think and you and I, and you've said it, and I would definitely agree, there's still a ways to go for this team to build what they what they want to get to where they ultimately want to get to. But this year to me was about laying a foundation more than anything else. Lay the foundation for how you, you know, for standards, for what you're expecting from players, et cetera. That to me is what the, uh, the best thing probably that they've done this season was they've laid that foundation. Another guy too, to talk about the impact, Jack Del Rio. What, what have you, you know, how much does he factor into this whole, this whole equation?
1: So that was hard to know cuz like he's actually I don't know what your experience has been with him but like because of all the covid protocols we just have very little access he doesn't talked to us that much that, that's that's right. been a hard one to really kind of get to know and I will say this like early there was a transition going on I mean their defense metrically was very good the entire year. It started week one with eight sacks and all these pressures from all these people, and the big comeback and like the foundation that the defense was going to be something to be relied upon happened in the first week. But I think you and I both know, in covering it, that that wasn't truly the belief system that was going on early. You know, right. so I think there was a buy-in that took a while, and I still think there probably is one. Still think um, there is one. There still is, you know, and. But their defensive line um, would, should, and is, like, the heartbeat of the team. They have spent all their draft capital on it. I don't care what scheme you play. When you have that kind of talent up front, it should be extremely disruptive, and it should carry the rest of your defense. And that's what it's become. And so you have to give Del Rio credit because just because you have these guys doesn't mean it works. Last year they had those guys short of Chase Young, and their defense was terrible. So he's figured out something to work for them. So I think he deserves a lot of credit, too. But I think you and I both know that's a complicated one. like It is a complicated one. That, that, thing, that thing was not early in the season jibing, I think, the way that everybody would hope it would automatically jibe. But clearly, by the end of this thing, um, they're the reason why they're winning. I mean, like, there's, there's no doubt about that. They're either keeping them in games, altering games entirely, like they did last night or against Pittsburgh, or against San Francisco, um, but they're the heartbeat of the team for sure.
0: And, you know, it's it, with Del Rio, too, and I've had people who used to work here were like, if they had had this guy a couple years ago, they probably in the playoffs a few times. Not, you know, just because he was much better than the guys that Jay Gruden kept hiring. And if Jay Gruden had a, a – one of his – if he had a – one of his flaws was hiring – poor defensive coordinators his schemes I think they do a good job creating one-on-one situations with the blitz schemes and all that so that that's all pretty good one thing with Chase Young too you know what's kind of amazing to me Bram is that Justin Herbert has gone out and had a really good a great rookie season as a quarterback yeah how many times are you hearing that oh Washington should have taken him over Chase Young and I know like some people might still think that because it's a quarterback but that to me is how good Chase Young has been this year Well, I mean,
1: first off, like I don't think anybody before the draft was talking about him as the second quarterback being taken off the board. So if they were going to go quarterback, they probably would have taken Tua. And then I
0: would say this: I don't think there was any chance they're going to take Tua. I think if they had taken a quarterback outside of Burrow, it would have been Justin Herbert. Yeah, but the the common
1: belief in the draft was he wasn't going to go second off.
0: Correct. That That and is correct. I think they would they have traded back had, to him.
1: If they had taken him, they would have been trashed for it, right? Like publicly, because people would have said, you made a mistake again taking right. your quarterback. And then, I mean, add in, they had just used a first-round pick on a quarterback the year before. It really felt like it would have been short of a Trevor Lawrence situation, or in the case of Burrow, had they had the number one pick I think they would have to seriously think about it because I think there was, the consensus was you can't go wrong with this person. Um, and so from that perspective, they clearly, you know, didn't do the wrong thing here. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know, like w- would Justin Herbert have had the season? He had here? I don't know. I no. do know the season chase young has had, I do know the impact he's going to have him being local and welcoming that to come back here and try to like, you know, reestablish the organization. In a way that he hasn't even lived to see. He's too young. He wasn't alive during the glory years. So he doesn't even know what that is. Like he's only seen this organization over the last 20, 21 years, which is dysfunctional. Right. So the fact that he kind of has, you know, this feeling for it, that he didn't grow up a Cowboys fan or something like that, that he wants, that it's important to him to get this team back to a place that I remember, you know, when I was a kid when Joe Gibbs was doing this in his first go around or for others who are a little older than me that know foundation was laid by George Allen before, you know, Joe Gibbs showed up here. Like, I appreciate that. Like I, you know, clearly this game matters so much to the guy Um, and maybe they knew that going in, but we've learned that very early and he is the most important presence. I think that's come into this team from a player perspective since RG three and certainly the most important player presence defensively since Sean Taylor. Yep. And he reminds me a lot of Sean Taylor because it's very clear that he's going to alter games for them. And if this is what it is as a rookie, I can't wait to see what it is year 2, year 3, year 4 when he actually figures the game out, figures teams out, figures opponents out. I mean, this is what's happening now. Like what's it going to be in a few years, you know, assuming he stays healthy.
0: And I think that it's the to me I go back to what you we were talking about earlier, the infectious personality that he has, because I think that's a big part of who he is. He's got a star power already. That you know when Sean Taylor was a rookie, Sean was kind of up and down as a rookie, made some big plays, but also there were there were times they talk about the mistakes he made. But Sean didn't want to necessarily have the didn't want to be the face of the of that defense, that franchise where Chase Young seems very comfortable right now and then. I think Taylor would have gotten to that point. And maybe that some of this just dealing with the media. Sean, for a lot of reasons, he did not trust the media, which is fine. I mean, I and there were some examples there where I saying, reason I, for that. You yeah, and I, I would say I had you there know. were definitely examples where I'd say, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Um, and so I get that, but Chase Young is very comfortable being, I think, a public face of a franchise that needed a guy like him to become one. And and so I think that's a good time for them. Last thing then, as um, we look ahead to Saturday, this, as you said, like Brady is playing really well. That offense is playing really well. What would be a – I mean, obviously, for the best outcome for them is to win. What do you think you, – what do you really want to see from this game Saturday? Resiliency, again, just hang in there, right? Hang in there.
1: There is no shame in losing to Tom Brady in the playoffs, especially the way they're functioning right now. Mike Evans got hurt in the first half yesterday against Atlanta, and Brady threw for almost 400 yards. Antonio Brown looks like Antonio Brown again. I'm sure Gronk will be Gronk in the playoffs. This is the, really one of the first times that it would have happened against Dallas the two games, had Dak Prescott not gotten hurt, their offensive line not gotten hurt, where they are running into an arsenal of weapons. Like right. They had it against Pittsburgh to a degree, Uh, with all those receivers but it became clear and i think that's starting to manifest now with pittsburgh roethlisberger can't really throw the ball downfield that much anymore i think people are kind of onto that which is why their offense has changed that's what people said about brady early in the season remember he wasn't completing any passes down the field well that's changed over the last month they're fine getting the ball downfield so they are facing by far the most explosive team they've faced all year and it's not close right it's not even close so it's not just about the defensive line. All these people are going to say all these things about like, well, he's immobile and good luck getting away from Young and Sweat and all that stuff. He's been immobile his whole career, right? right. And he's the best quarterback ever. So this one's on the secondary. Yep. Can they cover these guys? Like, that is going to be a real question this weekend. Can they cover these guys? And that's just the football stuff of all that. And then, look, even if they can and they can limit them to the low 20s or something like that, like they do with most teams, can they score enough? to actually win the game because I, look, the offense it is running on fumes with Alex Smith was his injury and Antonio Gibson looks pretty good, but it's not where it was. And we know why McLaurin right. has a high ankle sprain. I mean, their best performers are all injured at the same time. The fact that they're even here is, is amazing considering their offense was bottom third of the league coming into it. And now their three best players are all banged up, you know? So I just want to see them hang in there. And I assume they will, they're not going to lay down to anybody. You know, I assume they will. And last week, I think you and I talked about this on my show, and I said, I was very surprised to hear Ron Rivera say, we're playing with house money this week, heading right. into right. Philadelphia, because I'm sitting there going, you're the one that was telling us, like, in week four, you're playing for the playoffs, you're playing right. for the division. Here it is, silver plattered for you. Like, why why would you not expect to win? And then once the inactive sheet came out for Philadelphia, I'm like, you've got no excuses now. Right. Like, you have to go beat them. And they did. You know, and they did. This feels house money to me. Right. You know? And I don't expect them to lose 49-7. to Like, I I don't. I expect this game to be close, put a good scare into them. They're down by one score in the fourth quarter, and things are, like, nervous for Tampa Bay. That's a win for Washington if it gets that way. Because it feels like a mismatch just based on all the injuries that Washington has and the way Tampa Bay is functioning. So, I, you know, I want to be realistic about it. They go out there and win, though? Oh. I don't know how I'm gonna feel, you know, some they actually pull that off because that would be to me the surprise of this whole thing in the whole
0: season. Yeah, that that's and I and I agree with what you said. And I like I said, I think to me this was about setting a foundation, getting to this point is a really good spot for them. You get another week of practicing, you get a a week to experience the postseason now. Not a traditional way because you're not going to have crowd crowds and all that, but you are going to be in a different setting, and I think that's a good thing for them to build on. And then you get guys like again with Chase Young, McLaurin, and those Alabama guys. They're used to being in postseason games, and they're used to knowing how to build off those in the off season. So, you know, I think they're you can create. They've created momentum for themselves for the off season, and, and I think that's a good spot for them to be in. And, and I'm with you. Last thing I'll say on this too, with the coverage. You can only get to Brady if you give him reason to pause in the pocket. And you only do that through your coverage, whether it's whether it's mixing something up, whether it's playing tight or whatever, because otherwise that rush is not going to get a chance to get home because he'll get the ball out because that's what he's always done. When he's yeah. had problems in his playoffs, it's usually like Baltimore would blitz him and, and get to him and rattle him. That's going to be the big key. But that, I think, relies on coverage getting being good enough to – Create some sort of hesitancy to allow that front to get there, and 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 this team is not blitzed a lot. I mean, they're very
1: selective about it, so
0: they're pretty good with it, though. But yes, yeah,
1: they're pretty good with it, but they're selective about it. And to your point about how Baltimore had success with them, you got to bring the house on this guy. He's not going anywhere. You got to force him into mistakes, and it's a risky game to play. He's the best ever to play the position, and it's a huge, and that's why he doesn't lose very much, right? Right. But, you know, in this case, it does feel like bringing four, even if that's your best option here because you're trying to keep people in coverage, you don't want to get beat deep by any number of weapons that they have, it does feel like fool's gold. Like, you've got to go get this guy. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have to, and we'll see what happens. This week. And
0: you can create some zone blitzes where you're rushing four, you drop one of the ends, they'll do that on occasion too. So there's there's things, but Brady is playing at a – that offense seems to be playing at a high level. This is the best – group that they're going to face so it is, it is a major challenge but again that's for another day we'll get into that later in the week bram i think for now i tell washington fans just go enjoy this and and appreciate what's happened here and build you can build some excitement for the future rightfully and that then we'll see what happens in the offseason long way to go with that we'll get into that later bram thanks for coming on thanks You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lone Oak Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, loneoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little Jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit loneoakcoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E oakcoffee.com. Use promo code Coffee2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me, and thank you for listening. You're a loyal group, and I'm glad you've been able to enjoy what's going on. And thanks to Lono Coffee for their continued sponsorship. I wouldn't steer you to them if I didn't think they had a great product. We'll be talking about the Bucks on the next episode with ESPN's Jenna Lane. Talk to you next time.